Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens on American Family Radio. Here's your host, Dr. Jessica Peck. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, professor, author, mom of four. And today I've got a great episode for you, especially for you moms out there listening. Now, dads, we want you at our table, but this is really going to be a great conversation, I think, particularly for moms. I have an amazing guest for you today. As usual, we have Ashley Morgan Jackson. She's an an author, she's a speaker, she's a social media expert, and she works full-time for Proverbs 31 Ministries. She lives in North Carolina with her husband and her two kiddos, and she is the author of this book right here. Let me tell you, um, this book resonated with me a little too personally here. I think this is such a relatable struggle. So tired of trying, tired of trying how to hold on to God when you're frustrated, fed up, and feeling forgotten. Ashley, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jessica. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're so thrilled to have you here. And if you follow Ashley on social media, which I know a lot of you do because you have a great presence there, I think that one of the things that is so just appealing about you, Ashley, is that you keep it real. I mean, there is no, you know, pretending there. You just say, hey, these are the struggles. Here's where I'm finding hope. And that's what you did in your book, Tired of Trying. You shared your personal season of what you call wrestling, wrestling with God, talking about the biblical parallel of the story of Jacob wrestling with an angel. So Ashley, why don't you share with our listeners your story of your season of wrestling? Yeah. So for me, it was about the intense part of the wrestling. Of course, we all go through little wrestles <laughs> throughout our entire lives. Um, but for me, it was about five years. And that happened for me when I became a mom. It really kicked off during that time. And I didn't realize that I was going through postpartum depression and anxiety. I just thought I was a horrible mother. I mm-hmm. thought I wasn't cut out for it. That I needed more sleep than your average woman. (laughs) All of this is so silly to like think about now so far removed from it. But I think also I had gotten married a little bit later than some of my friends. And so I had really put all my identity in not being a wife and a mom because I couldn't have that for so long. So I really crafted it a lot around um, being in ministry and being super involved in church, or I became a missionary for quite a few years. And so when I almost abruptly, because my husband and I like got engaged in April and were married by November. So we, wow. we, we did like a, you know, switch <laughs> and churn, you know? And so I went from this is my identity to all of a sudden, you know, this was my identity, this new role. And I think I did not know how to process that and realized that I didn't know who I was if I wasn't being asked to be a part of ministry or being like applauded for my performance for God. And then it got even worse when I went through the depression and anxiety because I felt like I had literally nothing to give, nothing to offer. All I had to offer was crying a lot and being a broken mess on the floor. And what I found in that place 
was that God did meet me there and he was taking me through a process of uprooting some things that I had long allowed to define me and tell me were true about me or what was true about him. And they weren't true. And I wanted him, I don't know if this happens to you, Jessica, but I want to, what is the lesson so that I can learn it and get out of here? (laughs) Um, But it wasn't, I realized the process was necessary in order for it to become to a place of freedom for me. And I'd always think, Oh, we're we're out, we're out of it. Now we're coming out of it. And no, we weren't, we were, we were still in the thick of it. And what he taught me was that he wasn't as impatient with me as I was with myself. And there were things that I needed to process with him rather than to just move through. And so it, it took a while and, you know, we still come back and visit those places every now and again. Um, but yeah, it was so worth holding on to him to find what he wanted to give me. Oh, see, again, I so resonate with what you said. I am exactly like that. Teach me the lesson and let's get to where we're going. And I had this <laughs> mindset that it was all about the destination. Like, okay, once I get past this and I arrive at that place where I am past this, then life will be good. Then I'll be happy as a mom. Then I'll you know, feel content. And I realized that it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And what you learn along the way. And I think the most important thing that you said in all of that, Ashley, is that this was five years. Five years. And I think as a society today, we just have so little tolerance for short term, for for long term problems. We want everything to be fixed instantly. We want to feel better instantly. And that's just not realistic. Now, one of the quotes that you wrote in your book that I wrote down here because, oh, it hurt me very deeply in in the best way possible. You said, (laughs) it hurts. Yes, it hurts because of expectations and entitlement. And as I read that section, I thought, oh, I can relate to this because I expected God to fix it. And I felt entitled to that. So can you talk us through a little bit of that hard truth? Yeah, I was the exact same way. And I think I didn't realize that I had such tight expectations and realizing that, okay, Lord, um, if you will recall, I have done my very best to <laughs> obey you, be in ministry. I am not making these choices that other people, right, are making comparing myself. So I felt even more like ex- what? Like why this is so <laughs> not fair. And I think that's part of my makeup. Maybe that's part of your makeup. Probably a lot of us, you know, we love justice. We love for things to make sense. And maybe that's why he threw that verse in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 to to not lean on our own understanding because, excuse me, but I love my own understanding. I want to understand. And basically what he showed me through that time was, I've already given you everything that you need when I died on the cross. I don't owe you anything. And (laughs) when the Lord wrestles you, it's not this easy, like, oh, you poor. It's like, 
we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> right? like it's yeah bad. exactly like we're gonna deal with this in you and I think it's because it's so hard for us to let go of when God comes to confront our pride or our ego or our expectations it is not something that we're easily going to let go of because we believe a hundred percent that we're right that we're owed that this is we think we understand the ways that God should do things like if I were God, this is how I would do it. And even saying it sounds like, wow, okay, that's, <laughs> that's a wild expectation. But I think that's what I wanted to get to underneath that I resented him because he wasn't doing it the way that I wanted him to. And he took the time to show me, Ashley, I am sovereign and I'm sorry you don't understand. And I'm sorry that it hurts you. And he brought to mind that even Jesus got to know as well. You know, he asked, if there's any way that this can be taken from me, please let that be. And God said, no, because the, the way to get to what God was wanting to accomplish was through the suffering. And I know that's so hard for us to hear and even accept, but that God, when in his goodness, even allowing these hard things in our life is still loving us best. And so that was the process for me is like, you know, this doesn't meet my expectations. I feel like God owes me. And then God kind of brought me through this place of, hey, actually, I am what you need, not the solution that you're looking for. Well, this is how I relate to that. You know, when I was first becoming a mom, I had my own season of wrestling because my relationship with my mom was broken. And that's what I wrestled with God about. I thought, okay, if I if my relationship is fixed with my mom, then I will be a good mom. Then that will fix all my problems and then I can go on and be a good mom. And I thought, how is restoring a relationship not a good thing? But I learned that in that season that God was wrestling with me because I needed to unroot some things, some learned generational patterns of responses and some unhealthy coping mechanisms that I had. And I clung to the verse, Psalm 8411, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And I recognize like, okay, I just have to walk uprightly and trust. And I heard a, a quote that says that uh, if God was big enough, if God was small enough to be understood, if God was small enough to be understood, he would not be big enough to be worshiped. And that's what you talked about, the blessing of trusting when he says no. Now, you told a story, Ashley, in this book that, again, you keep it real, about <laughs> uh, an injury that you acquired when right after you had your second son and you were trying to like have a new year. And I was reading this story thinking, this just resonates with every part of who I am. Like, How often are we as moms, as women, trying, and then it goes wrong? So can you give us a little snippet of that story? Yeah. So essentially, you know, this is probably smack dab in the middle of this five years and things have been hard. And I was trying to work on changing, trying to work with the Lord. And um, so this was January 1st and I was going to, you know, I'm just going to work out, start on the right foot. And I popped in my workout DVD that day. This is going to be a new year. And as I stepped back into my, one of my lunges, uh, my son's baby blanket happened to be on the floor. And I slipped on it, I fell, 
and was immediately in excruciating pain. And I look at my leg and my kneecap was just stuck on the outside of my leg. And uh, it was it was awful. My Thank goodness it was a holiday because my husband was home. He came running in and I told him immediately, you have to call 911. And I think he was like, what? No, like, we're just not, we're not, you know, flippantly calling 911. <laughs> and, um, and so he was like, okay, so we finally did it. I, we were at that time living at the, on the third story of an apartment complex. And those paramedics came and I have to tell you, I was wearing my grossest, oldest, ugliest pajamas <laughs> to work out. Of course. Of course. When strange men are about to enter your home, uh, you do that. And um, and so they, I thought they would be able to fix it right there. I don't know why I thought that. But no, they had to load me into a little chair and carry me. And every step, I was screaming and then apologizing to my neighbors for screaming. Because <laughs> um, I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. But I can't not scream because it hurts really bad. Um, so we get in the ambulance, they take me in, they reset it. And the next night I was a part of a Sheila Walsh book launch and it was the storm inside and how, you know, applicable, right? I am going through this inside and outside and I'm praying and I'm journaling and I'm trying to give it again to the Lord. Like, okay, you allowed this, like, help me to trust you. I'm like quoting the book in the journal. And I roll to get out of bed and pop, it goes back off again. And I am thinking, you have got to be kidding me. We couldn't afford the first ambulance ride, let alone another one. And I call my husband in again and we're praying, pleading with the Lord, please just put it back on. Like we are seriously, like (laughs) you can't do this again, you know? And I just remember like my parents had come to help with the kids so that we could go to the, um, in the ambulance again, we did the whole process again. And my dad had been a firefighter for 30 something years and he was sitting out in the living room. And I just had the thought like my physical dad who is right here, if he could help me, he would. So Lord, why are you not helping me? And Mm -hmm. I had, I choose a word every year to kind of focus on and have the Lord help me grow in that thing, whatever it is. And that word for the year was listen. And I was like, okay, this, okay, is this funny? Is this supposed to be a joke? And I'm sitting in the back of the ambulance and I'm thinking, okay, I'm listening. Mm -hmm. I don't have any fight left in me at that point. I felt like this is getting to be too much. I just, how are we supposed to deal with this? And I just felt in my spirit, the Lord speak to my heart in that you're going to have to go through this either way. You're going to either go through it with me or without me. And I loved him at that point. And as much as I was disappointed in the circumstances and not understanding why he was allowing this, I knew I would rather go through with it it with him than without him. And sometimes that just is the only choice we have to make. There is no answers. It makes no sense why he's allowing this. It hurts so bad, but I would rather do it with him. So, yeah. Well, and you know, some of those things we laugh about now, but they weren't funny at the time, you know, and I don't want to minimize 
the pain of what you experienced. I know the pain of my own wrestling season, what I experienced. It's easy to talk about it now, but one of the things you talk about in the book is letting yourself feel Mm. and giving yourself permission to feel what you're feeling and stop trying to justify it away or hide it away. And then recognizing your progress and surrounding yourself with support. So I'd love for you to talk about that little package of, of help that we can hold on to. Yeah, I think that's, it's so true. And I think as Christians, sometimes we tell ourselves how we should feel, how we should be responding, because there is like, the Lord is telling us in his word, different things. But I think that first we have to bring our honesty to him that we want to get to that place. But right now, Lord, I feel disappointed. And sometimes we have to take a moment to grieve what he has chosen not to do. And instead of running away from him, because I think that is the temptation that the enemy will present to us is like, you can't trust him. He is allowing things that are hurting you um, run away from him, or he's upset with you for not being perfect enough, handling this perfect enough. And that's just so silly. Like sometimes I just will tell the Lord, Lord, you know, I'm just a girl. And I, and I like literally don't know how to handle this. I don't know the, what the right response is. I need you. And then the, the thing that we can go from there is, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. And how can I allow truth to be spoken to me? I think for me, I didn't have a lot of desire or energy to be in God's word, if I'm honest, during some of those days. And so, but I knew I needed it. And so I started putting sermons on, or I would put on um, the audio Bible, like while I was changing diapers and doing the dishes and things like that. And I knew the Lord would want me to get back there eventually, but I think it was like a grace to be like, here's truth, 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 without me feeling like I had to do it all on my own. And I even went to this um, counselor lady once and she said, I think what you need for a while is just to receive from him. You need to allow yourself to stop having to check all these boxes that you think can make you a perfect, good Christian. And instead, just allow the Lord like to tell you that he loves you. And that felt so like, well, does he love me, though, if I don't read an hour a day in the Bible? Does he? <laughs> you know, and then the last thing, too, is just like getting people around us that support us and love us and can you give them permission. Now, these need to be trusted people because I've learned the hard way, the verse that talks about casting your pearls before the swine. You know, not that we're calling people swine, but, yeah. <laughs> but those precious things. In that category, I'll tell <laughs> you. <laughs> right, right. And I think sometimes it is just like these, the things that are precious to us, that are hurting us, that are feel make us feel super vulnerable in certain seasons. Sometimes we need people that, to come alongside us and just tell us, God is faithful. He's been faithful, but you can be honest with me too. Tell me your true feelings. Let's pray about it together. Let me speak truth to you while you feel like your faith is weak. And we can try to slowly pray and ask God to cultivate those things in our life and then look for the solutions that he's bringing to us. Okay. So many good things that you said in there. So many good things, but let me pull out two. First, you, you love Jesus, Ashley. But you also have a counselor. 
And yes. I think that's really important to talk about. That's something I talk a lot about as a healthcare provider is that we're very complex beings. We're spiritual. We have spiritual health and mental health and emotional health. And just because you're struggling doesn't mean it's all a crisis of faith. It's mm-hmm. okay to love Jesus and go to counseling. Can you share a little bit about your journey to that experience? Like what got you to that place where you said, okay, I'm here? Because I think that's a hard point for a lot of people where they think, I know I may need some help, but actually making that leap. Oh man, I if I could tell everyone to go to counseling, I think it is really good for everyone. And I wish at that time I didn't work. My husband did work, but we didn't have the best insurance. And so during those five years, it was really hard because we it we struggled to afford to do it. But if I could have done it in the middle of that time, especially, I would have. And actually the Lord did provide a girl who was um, studying to be a counselor. And I ended up being able to go for free. And that was my first experience of that. And I'll tell you, even the last four years, I've really committed to going regularly. And it has, the Lord's used it to help me renew my mind. Because sometimes we're just so stuck. Like you said, we're stuck in this way of thinking. And essentially, you know, the counselor isn't there to to fix you or to tell you how to be. They're only there to help you understand where you're thinking wrong things or why you're maybe stuck in a certain way of thinking. And so I would definitely recommend it just because it is, like you said, a tool. It's a tool. And so when I get into certain circumstances that I feel quote unquote, triggered or what have you, then I have these tools to grab from. Okay. Nope. This is how I'm thinking. Nope. This is how I'm going to reframe that situation. It doesn't have to crush me anymore. And that is a beautiful thing for walking in freedom for sure. Yes. And the second thing that you said that I think is really, really important is people speaking truth to you. Now that we may have listeners who are thinking, I can't really relate to this. I'm not in a season of struggling or wrestling, but you definitely have someone in your social circle, in your family circle who is. And I think sometimes as Christians, especially, we feel like all of a sudden we have to be a psychologist and we have to (laughs) psychoanalyze their problems and say, well, you know, you need to do this or you need to do that. And we may not understand what they're feeling. You talk about that in your book, just having even physical symptoms of like clawing into your skin and people around you thinking, I don't understand what to do. But what you just said, Ashley, that people spoke to you is that things like God loves you. You you are going to be okay. And speaking those scriptural truths of encouragement rather than trying all of a sudden to be an armchair psychologist. So what would you advise people to say? Say they have somebody in their circle who is struggling. How do you encourage them? I would say one of the most important things you could do is to share your story about how God has been faithful to you because it is this, they can't argue with it. Like the Lord took you from here to here. And you know, I I'll be honest in my season, I was kind of, um, angry. And I didn't want to hear a lot of things, you know, but if you are coming with, you're sharing a story of God's faithfulness, it's a way almost to like break into that, especially if you don't have the, the role in that person's life yet, maybe. But of course, like you can never go wrong with speaking God's word. Like this is 
what he says about the circumstances. And it may not feel true right now, but it's something that we can stand on in faith. And I think in a way you're allowing your faith in that moment when they feel weak to present strong for them. Like, even if you're not going to believe for yourself right now, I'm going to believe for you. And even if you don't want me to, I'm praying for you behind your back, you know, all those kind of things. (laughs) And it makes such a difference to have people that are like, you know, they're fighting for you because maybe in that moment you feel like you can't fight for yourself. Well, one of the quotes that you have in the, in your book that I pulled out and and wrote on a little note card on my desk here, you said, anything we refuse to admit or confess will remain toxic for us. Mm. And that is so true. So even in talking about sharing your story, sometimes maybe we've even been through our story, but we haven't shared that yet. And I think that perpetuates this myth that, oh, I'm alone. I'm the only person who's experiencing this. And I would go even further you know, with my work and what I've done is that anything we refuse to or ad- admit or confess will remain toxic for us and our children. So if you don't deal with that anxiety, that depression, that addiction, that whatever that is, Mm. your children will bear that burden because they will learn every unhealthy coping mechanism that you have and they will carry that on. And it even changes the way our DNA is read and transcribed when we have unhealthy responses to trauma. But the the reverse is true. Like we can pass on those healthy DNA changes. And one the, the second quote that you have here that really just jumped off the page to me was, there's a discrepancy between what you claim to believe and how you respond. And so you talk about this uprooting process, Ashley, and I'm thinking about that, like, okay, I claim to believe, yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe he loves me. I believe God loves me. He has a plan for me, but I'm not responding in that way. So can you talk about how do we move from that place and Mm. uproot those thoughts? Yeah. And again, like we were talking about earlier, this is a process. It's something that we have to practice because for a long time, we've been practicing something different. Uh, We've been just like caught in our patterns or even the things that our parents taught us. This is how we respond in our family. And so we just don't even question it. We just do it. And so I think it's allowing God to challenge our thoughts. What is it that we're thinking about ourselves, about others, about Him even? Because sometimes, It is different between believing God and believing in God. I mean, we can know God and not know Him, like personally, where we allow it to change us. And we know what's really coming or what's really in us when we're under pressure, when we're under stress. And I know even to this day, I would be totally lying if there aren't circumstances when things get crazy and I am like, who who is this girl? What, what happened to, you know, sanctified wrote a book, Ashley, you know what I mean? Like, and it, because, and I think he allows us to go into those seasons to reveal to us. Sometimes you say you trust me, but maybe you just trust that I do things the way that makes sense to you. And it's not really me. It's your trusting in the circumstances and really allowing him to say, okay, this is what you're what you're saying you believe, but we're going to replace that. What does my word say? And we're going to practice that. Okay. Now you get another circumstance where something gets wild and you're like, okay, 
I have a choice in this moment. What choice am I going to make? And hopefully we don't live the same year 80 times and call that a good life. But instead, we're always allowing him to challenge us and change us so that we actually have different responses. Like you said, that that really impacts me so much so that our kids and their kids will have a different response later on. It's so true. And Ashley, you know, I have the same struggle. And now I've got my four kids who are more than happy to call me out on that. You know, even (laughs) my oldest is going back to college, my second is going to college for the first time. And it triggers a lot of insecurities in me. I didn't go to college. I that was a very turbulent time in my life. And there have been times this week where I have not responded (laughs) from a place of grace or um uh just I'm just gonna leave it at that. It is did that just come out of Dr. Nurse Mama's mouth? Like you're supposed to know all these things. And I think, no, I'm just a pitiful failure right now. Just leave me in my pile of emotions and let me be. But the last thing I want to talk to you about, Ashley, is something that, that really we talk about a lot here in our community. And you said you talked about growing up in the church intensified your need to perform. And you talk about identity idols, how we construct these, it's image crafting, right? What we do on social media, like this is how I want people to perceive me. This is how I'm known, you know, I'm the church lady or I'm the, you know, always calm one. And when those crack, it's really a scary place. But I think you spoke a lot of truth in that talking about just the need to perform and maintain this, you know, spiritual image. And so how, how are you able to overcome that? You talked about starting out in ministry and then going through this journey. And now you've put your journey like for the whole world to see. And by the way, we just discussed this morning, this is number one bestseller in Christian self-help. So people are resonating with this, but there's no going back, Ashley, like it's all here <laughs> black and white. So how, how did you make that journey to, to step out from the identity idol that you had? You know, I'm just going to say that I feel like I didn't make a lot of the initiation towards that. I feel like it was a response I was demanded to come with when the Lord pushed me into a place where they were all challenged. You know, I just remember where I, the guilt that can come with growing up in, in the church. And if we are not involved in everything, that we then label ourselves as bad or not good Christians. It really is about how other people look at us. It's about our image to other people. And it stops at some point being about (laughs) us serving the Lord. And it's more about how do people look, think I serve the Lord. And I think for me, it was, he took me out of being able to serve him at all. Like I kind of mentioned at the beginning, I realized that we can know what our identity is wrapped up in by what we do when it's taken from us. And if we have always told ourselves, this is what makes me who I am, if it's not God (laughs) and it gets ripped out of our lives, we will melt down. And that's how we know because that thing is no longer telling us, you're okay, you're good you're worthy of taking up space. 
And essentially all of that was wiped away from me for a season. And as much as I tried, I tried to get back into the church. I tried to lead Bible studies and I would just end up crying the whole time. I would just, and I was like ringing, trying to ring a rock. You know, there was just nothing, nothing to give. And like you said, it was that season of allowing God to pour into me Mm. and to tell me that I was worth more to him than what I did for him. I was worthy because I was his daughter, not because I could do a bunch of stuff for him. And that was what made him love me. And to receive that is really, really hard. And so this is another one of those things where you just have to practice like grace. I have to practice that all the time. Like, I know I don't deserve it, Lord. I know I lost my temper or I know I'm talking crazy or I know I want, I find myself struggling to be like, Lord, are you happy with me because I did all this stuff? And he's like, I was happy with you before, (laughs) you know, like keeping it surrendered to him is almost a daily process. We have to go through like, Lord, I know I love this a lot, so I'm going to try to hand it over to you. And if you take it, I know I'm going to be okay. And that's hard, and but also I think so good for our souls. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I would just say to the moms out there who are listening, there are a lot of us who put our identity in who we are as a mom. And we feel like, If our kids look good, are making the right choices and, you know, just look like the perfect kids, then we must be the perfect mom. And then our kids make mistakes. Our kids fall down. They fail. They embarrass us. And then we start to think, okay, then I'm not a good mom. And then you try harder to micromanage your kids' behavior. And and it's so hard. It's a cycle. And I was just thinking about all of you moms out there who are tired of trying. This book really may help you. And what you said, Ashley, is so important. It's not about what you do or even who you are. It's about whose you are. Mm. And that can be such a a difficult truth for us and let our kids struggle in season, recognizing we're not perfect either. Why are we expecting them to be perfect? Right. <laughs> right. I, encourage, I encourage you, get the book, Tired of Trying, How to Hold On to God When You're Frustrated fed up and feeling forgotten. I don't think there's anyone listening who can't relate to that. Ashley, how can we find you and connect with your community? Yeah. So you can find me on my website at ashleymorganjackson.com. And there's a link where you can find the book as well there. And I mostly hang out on social media on Instagram. And my handle there is ashley.morgan.jackson. Well, you said that one of your favorite things is laughing till your belly hurts. And I have to admit, I have laughed at many of your Instagram reels until my belly hurts because they're so funny, so real, so relatable. It's so nice to see your family on there and see you just encouraging us through the struggle, through the season of wrestling. Thank you so much for being authentic and relatable and transparent and sharing your struggle, your season of wrestling so that we can find hope in that too. Thank you so much, Jessica. That means a lot. It's my honor. Well, I think we can all relate to feeling frustrated, fed up and forgotten for sure. And that was a refreshingly honest conversation with Ashley and in her book, she is, she doesn't hold back on any details. And I know I've been there. I've been crying 
hysterically in my closet. I've had those moments of desperation where you just feel like, I can't see how this is going to work out. I feel hopeless. And I want to tell you, there is hope. There is hope in a healing journey. And so many times you just have to make that tipping point to say, you know what? I am tired. I am tired of trying. I am wanting a new way forward. And I remember that day that I shared with you in my book, Behind Closed Doors, when my daughter, who was 13 at the time, threw a book at my head while I was driving. And I knew I was going to need a new mindset and a new skill set going forward. I couldn't just continue to do the same thing every day and expect different results. People say that's the definition of insanity. And I did. I felt almost literally insane at that point, insane with worry and anxiety. And I took those steps and it has been difficult. There are days when I fail, when I fall, when I fall back to old habits, but every day is a little bit of progress and some days are great. And when I look back now and I see how far I've come in the last 10 years, I just almost don't even recognize who I was. I have a lot more tools. I have a lot more coping skills that I can use now. And my faith has grown stronger. Now we talked today for for conversation keys. I want to translate for you some health impacts and home strategies of our conversation with Ashley, of my conversation with Ashley. And listen, we are talking about image crafting. So in chapter two of Behind Closed Doors, I give you this devotional and I thought this is a good thing to share again. So the term Imago Dei, Imago Dei is a theological term used to convey the incredible truth that we are created in the image and likeness of God. The word image means mirror or reflection. But many times when we look in the mirror, we do not see Imago Dei. We do not see the image of God. We see, instead of seeing the fingerprints of God as his unique creation, we only see our imperfections. And our mirror self-talk is crueler than anything we would ever say to anyone's face. And I think about how I talk to myself in sometimes, and we say things like this, like, how could you be so stupid? We wouldn't just say that at the PTA meeting or at our Bible study to someone else, but we say it to ourselves all the time. We may look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you're ugly and fat and hideous and no one likes you. We say, your hair is hideous. We say, you're so old. Look at those lines. Look at those wrinkles you have on your face. Wow, you look terrible. You're out of shape. You're so slow. And then we say even crueler things like, no one wants you. You're not worthy of love. But listen to this. These are straight from scripture. But God says, you are called. You are chosen. You're a new creation. You are forgiven. You are blessed. You are set free. You are redeemed. You are beloved. You're being transformed. You are the apple of God's eye. You are pursued. You're a child of God. You are adopted, no longer an orphan. You are pleasing. You are never alone. And you are a masterpiece. 
Our identity in Christ is much more powerful than any image crafting we could ever do. So I encourage you, these scriptures are in the back, in the appendix of the book Behind Closed Doors. Go back and look at, look at those scriptures. Write them on sticky notes. Put them around your bathroom mirror. Put them around your children's bathroom mirror so that when they look in the mirror and they have those those self-talk messages, they can be countered with truth, with the messages of God's word. So here's some thoughts for reflection. What image are you crafting for your team through your social media use? Go back and take an honest look at your social media and think, what is it that you want people to think that you are, to see who you are? Do you have any media habits in your family that need to change to promote healthy use and boundaries? If you are using social media to image craft excessively, how can you intentionally help your team to see their self image through the eyes of Christ? This is a really tough question to wrestle with. And I want to tell you, these conversation keys can be really, really difficult. So one, some things that you can ask are to ask, how do you see your identity? If you had to describe who you are, what would you say? How, if you, and then you can ask your teen about yourself. Say, if you were going to, if somebody said, hey, tell me about your mom, what would you say? Now that can be a really intimidating thing to do. And it might be best to do this in a text message or a letter and then transition the conversation to real life. Because as beings, we have what we see ourselves, our internal selves, and there's how we know that people perceive us. But there's a hidden window where we don't realize how people can perceive us. And our kids are amazingly perceptive. And they may be really helpful at saying, I see you struggling with this before you even know you're struggling with it yourself. And if you can lower your defenses and be open to their consideration of how they see you, they may just teach you something and then you can teach them something back, how to move forward, how to react to that, how to develop healthy coping skills and how to change those negative patterns of thinking. Because again, If we don't deal with our issues, then our kids will. So take some of these conversation keys, try them out at home. Let me know how it goes. I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, serving as your expert guide on the side to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. Tune in next week as we explore faith-based health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. Together, we'll find hope for healthy relationships. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Nurse Mama. We'll see you here next week on American Family Radio.